Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. him amen for doing that amen revelation 21 i'm going to read just the first five verses um i feel confident i'm going to get through this chapter tonight and i feel relatively confident this stage of the game next week it'll be over all right it'll be over and i don't know if that makes 35 lessons how many it doesn't really matter it just means that we'll probably be done but we're going to there's 27 verses tonight but we're going to get through it because a lot of it is very descriptive of the new jerusalem coming down that uh, we can't build really much more on except what scripture relates to us. And so let's get into it. Not literally, but let's get into the word of the Lord. Revelations 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, where the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, this is one of those rare occurrences that you see John refer to himself. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I knew I'd at least get a hallelujah on verse number four. Somebody was saying, count me in. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Tonight for a title for this particular chapter, I want to just basically call it All things new all things new this is part 19 in our numbering system amen let's pray father i love you jesus this evening god enlighten us and help us again with our understanding god as we turn our focus lord to a new heaven and a new earth god as we turn our focus to the city of jerusalem new jerusalem that's coming down from heaven above i pray oh god let there be a longing and a yearning in our hearts god for such a place god such a city god that not only jesus to desire it but god to be an inhabitant of it lord in that day and hour lord and we thank you and we'll praise you for it in the lovely name of jesus christ that we pray amen the church say amen amen you may be seated john saw it ladies and gentlemen he saw it in the vision in which he had here in revelation he saw what many have longed for wrote about sung about talked around kitchen tables about and that is a new heaven and a new earth these were among the first things that god of course promised us that he would make all things new in the previous chapter if you will remember back last week there was a fire that came down out of heaven and it devoured those that were in opposition to the beloved city the literal earthly jerusalem and the saints that were compassed thereabout. that fire come down and devoured them but it seems as though according to some of the other new testament writers that the fire not only devoured the people but according to the writings of second peter 
the fire had been reserved. It had just been setting there and waiting, so to speak, for the heavens and the earth to purge or devour them as well. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, the one that we are upon right now in Peter's day, even in our day, by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire. This heaven and earth, the heavens and the earth here are reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 12 states of that same chapter, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Amen. Speaking of that day that would come here in the book of Revelation. Again, our present heaven and earth was spoken of in Revelation 20 as fleeing away from the one that sat upon the great white throne, being Christ, if you will, the one who sat there, said the heaven and the earth fled from his face or fled from his presence. It was stated even concerning them that there was found no place for them. They were not there. It seemed as though they were non-existent. And so whenever one speaks tonight of a new heaven, a new heaven, we must consider what is being referred to whenever we say a new heaven. Because most of the time that you and I use the word heaven, we are talking about, our minds are thinking of a celestial city. Whenever we talk about heaven, we're talking about a place where God abides or we're talking about a destiny that every, every uh, Christian is desiring to go to and striving to arrive at whenever we talk about heaven. And although such a place exists and such a place we may refer to and be called heaven, we talk about that as heaven, there are other things throughout God's word that are referred to as heaven or heavens. And what I'm talking about when I say that is I'm talking about the atmospheric heaven or the planetary heavens. Paul, even in his writings in the New Testament, spoke that he had visited the third heaven. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 2, he says, I knew a man, and as he's talking like this, he's really speaking of himself, but he's acting like he's talking about somebody else, but he's speaking of himself. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. We've had teaching from this pulpit before, of course. The first heaven seems to be the one that consists of the atmospheric heaven, uh, the atmosphere even of our earth here where the fowls of the air uh, roam and fly and have their sway. The second heaven uh, that is unmentioned, but Paul says he was in the third. The second heaven is unmentioned, seems to relate to the planetary heavens where the sun and the moon and the stars and the planetary systems reside. And then lastly, the third heaven or what I would call the heaven of heavens uh, must be the residence or the throne room of God. Brother McGee, where is heaven? Well, I can, I can, I can clue you in on this much. From this vantage point right here, heaven is up. Because even John in Revelation chapter number 4 said that whenever he heard the trump, he was, he was beckoned to come up hither. And whenever he came up, he was in heaven. And so from your vantage point, heaven is up. And that's the best I can tell you. How many, how many billions of light years is heaven away from here? I don't know. We have stars that are billions of light 
years from here. And so you go to that, and that's still within our own galaxy, and there's other galaxies besides ours. And that's mind-boggling whenever you begin to think of that within itself, that billions of light years away, our galaxy is not even ended yet, and there's other galaxies besides ours. Amen. So heaven is definitely up. It's up there. Amen. Somewhere. Hallelujah. But so we have these heavens, the first heaven, atmospheric heaven, planetary heavens, then the heaven of heaven where God resides or where his throne at least is. And so here's the question. The Bible says, or the answer maybe, he says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now here's the question I pose to you to make you think. Why would it be necessary to destroy the heaven that we long for? where the throne of God is, when it's not been tainted with wickedness, it's not been flawed with humanity, it is perfect in its soundness, amen. It might be, it might be that the heaven that Peter spoke of that's going to pass away or the one that is reserved for fire that's going to pass away and the new heaven that comes, the heaven that Peter and those are speaking of that's passing away and one that's going to become new very well may be the atmospheric heaven of our earth or the planetary heaven of our galaxy because in reality, just human common sense, there would really be no purpose to destroy the heaven we're all longing for that he went to prepare a place for us. He left, he said, I'm going to prepare a place. That wouldn't be great him to prepare a place and then just turn around and destroy it. Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, we're not talking about someplace flawed like earth is with sin and humanity and wickedness and evil. So whenever it's speaking of a new heaven, it's speaking of probably more likely the heaven, our atmospheric heaven, the heaven that coincides with and relates to our earth, that relates to our earth. Amen. Because a new earth would necessitate a new heaven. It's not, it's not like you'll separate the two concerning the atmosphere of this earth. A new earth would necessitate a new heaven or heavens, if you will, for that earth. So again, as far as I know, the heaven that we're longing to be at is not flawed. It's not wicked. It's still something very much so that we should desire and should and want to attain someday. Amen. So there really isn't really any reason for a recreation of the place that we're longing to go. It is, and it will be, and shall be, as it is, hopefully. Amen. But let me interject something here just real quickly, just kind of a, as a side note or a little uh, further explanation upon some things. Some take two different approaches, ladies and gentlemen, to the idea of a new heaven and a new earth concept. And just exposing you to these different ideas or concepts that people hold to in case you ever run into it. And that is that some believe that the heaven and the earth will only be new in the sense that they're new because they've been regenerated, that they've been purged by fire, that they've been purged by fire. And through a purging of fire, they've been regenerated or purified. And so they're new in that sense. Amen. They're made new by the fire, so to speak. However, there is another thought process that people lean on that the fire completely destroys the old heaven and the old earth and that was created and creates a whole new heaven and a new earth. Just to be front with you, I personally lean toward the brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Because whenever I read in Scripture that Peter's talking about the fire that comes and the elements melt and it dissolves and that God at different places in Scripture even said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. 
And so as long as his word's intact, everything's going to be okay because he created and formed and constructed the earth that we know anyway. The worlds, the Bible says, were framed by the word of God. So destroy the worlds all you want. As long as we have the world, he can frame a new world. He can frame a new heaven, a new earth. And so I, I personally lean toward the idea of it being brand new. Furthermore, in verse number 1 of Revelation 21, the Bible says, And there was no more sea. And so here's the question. Does this mean the new earth will be without sea? Or does it mean that just as the first heaven and the first earth passed away, the sea will pass away as well? Because if we're talking about a new earth without sea, now that will be definitely different from our current earth, definitely different from our current earth, being that three-quarters of our earth is surface, is covered with water, a lot of that pertaining to seas, all right? And not that this makes a major difference then, but our bodies, not that this will make a major difference then, but our bodies are about 65% water, our blood's about 90% water, all right? But again, the statement is in Scripture, notice the statement in verse 1, there was no more sea. The statement was, there was no more water. Are you hearing me? Furthermore, the statement, there was no more sea, follows the statement, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So which is it? Is it that there's no sea in the new earth or that there's no sea because it passed away along with the earth? Time will tell. On, I guess we'll all find out. Man, I'm just giddy. I can't wait to just know. I don't know. I don't know which it is, but we'll find out. Amen, as time comes. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 2, the Bible says, and does it say somewhere? What is it, Bishop? that there's a river from the throne of God. Right, there's a river from the throne of God, but again, we have the city of Jerusalem and we have a new earth. We have two separate things here. We have a city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and we have a new earth. So is there water on the earth? There's water coming from the throne of God? Yes. So is there? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to base my, my elbow on, on, on what I have here, so I'm not quite certain whether it is or isn't. Revelation 21 and verse 2, And I saw John, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so here we have new heaven, new earth, another new thing. All things are new, he said. Another new thing mentioned in verse 2 is the New Jerusalem. This comes down from God, the Bible says, out of heaven. Not only that, but it is prepared, the Bible says, as a bride. And so both here in this particular verse, number 2, and also in verses 9 and 10, the city, the new Jerusalem, is described as a bride. And so there's a contrast, really, between this city being described as a bride and the wicked, polluted earthly city of Babylon that we have studied which was also described as a harlot 
And so there's a little contrast here. We have the impure city described as harlot. We have this pure city that is described as a bride, amen, that's coming down as the new Jerusalem. The Bible states in Revelations 21 and verse 9, and there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So here he is, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Amen. And so we have this city coming down to heaven. He says, this, this, is, this is the bride, the lamb's wife. He tells us in verse number two, speaking of that city that's coming down. He says, it's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, think with me for a moment. A city is usually described and designated by the character of the people that inhabit it. Hmm? If it is a if it is a wicked city, if someone says that's a wicked city, by and large, it's because the people within the city are wicked. If you say that that is a rich, high society city, then for the most part, notably, that there's probably a good proportion of the people within the city that are rich and of a high line of society. The New Jerusalem is described as a bride, amen, Probably because it is the bride, if you will, the lamb's wife that inhabits the city. Amen. The bride of Christ, the church. Throughout Scripture, back in Revelation chapter 19, the bride is described as having made herself ready. She's made herself ready with what had been granted to her. Remember, she was given things to make herself ready. Amen. And so she has made herself ready with what has been given to her. But here, the bride or the city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, it's not a living city, if you will. It's an inanimate object. It's a city. And notice it's been prepared. Amen. It's been prepared by another. Amen. So the, the church, the bride of Christ, has prepared herself with the things that have been given to her. But the city has been prepared by someone else. Uh, namely, uh, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been prepared by him. There's the old, old saying from years ago that used to say, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Amen. And it has been prepared. Again, back to the scripture of John 14 that we alluded to earlier. John 14 and verse 2. Jesus says, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, many of you could quote this. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It is a prepared place for a prepared people without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, a glorious church amen and so that place we're talking about has been a place that men and women for ages have longed for they've longed to escape this present life to go to a place that is beyond some of them that's the best that they could say it's beyond years ago there used to be a lot of books written about heaven a lot of poems written about heaven there have been a lot of songs you get our old song books there's a lot of songs in there that are written concerning heaven about that place of a paradise, a, a utopia almost type of atmosphere, if you will. 
all the while they are referring to heaven. Amen. And so people, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, I know I'm not real old, but I remember younger that people's conversation centered around something beyond the earth. They were talking about heaven. They were talking about seeing Jesus' face. They were talking about how we're just pilgrims and strangers on this old earth and it don't have anything to offer me that I don't have something better waiting for me over yonder. yonder. And so they were just so consumed with the idea of heaven. And I hate to say it, in the course of my life, I think people being consumed with heaven has faded. I don't think there's much interest in heaven as there used to be. And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. But I think the reason why is because people become more earthly minded than they have heavenly minded. Their concerns are more about earth. It's quite, quite different from the Israelites of old in Hebrews 11 that basically said, yeah, we're just strangers and we're pilgrims on this earth. We have no permanent dwelling. We're not driving our stakes very deep because there is a place still yet beyond this place that we're looking toward. The Bible says that Abraham in Hebrews 11 and 10, Abraham, the Bible says, all the way back, the great father of this great nation of Israel, for he looked for a city which hath foundations who builder and maker was God. Out of everything that he was exposed to from Ur of Chaldees to the promised land, everything that he had seen from there to there, he said, no, it's not it, no, it's not it, no, it's not it, no, it's not it. There is still a city that has a builder and a maker, which is God. He said in verse 16, but now they, speaking of the children of Israel, the children of Israel, they desire a better country. They had Cain in the promised land, flowed with milk and honey. That was good for the earthly, but they desired a better country. That is an heavenly, heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. And in this city, I mean, who would not want to participate or go to this city? Amen. Because in this city, the Bible tells us in Revelations 21 that God's going to be with his people and that he will be their God. Yeah, that sounds great. And that it's going to be a land, according to verse number four, it's going to be a land of no mores. Out of everything we can talk about the city that's listed, we can talk about what we won't find in that city. Amen. No more tears, no more death, no more, we say this oftentimes at funerals, gravesides, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. You don't just have to look to heaven and say, what am I going to get? You can look to heaven and say, what am I not going to have to deal with anymore? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more dying, no more tears. And it isn't so much the idea you're going to get to heaven and bowling your eyes out because you know people's going to be lost, unsaved, going to a devil's hell, and you're going to be crying your eyes out, thinking about all of that, and doubt God's going to come and wipe away all the tears from your eyes. But God's going to wipe every tear from your eye in such a way that he's going to remove any cause for crying. Amen. It's not that your face is just flooding with tears. He's wiping away. No, he's, he's, he's removing any instance where you would need to cry. From happening, he's removing every tear from your eye. He will make all things new. There is a phrase used in verse number six that's very similar to a phrase that was used on Calvary's hill whenever it states on Calvary's hill, the phrase was, it was finished. Here in this scripture, in verse number six, I believe it is, he says, it is done. 
Amen. Christ Jesus on Calvary, it's finished. The redeeming work for the penalty of sin, it's finished. Amen. But now all things are new. He's finished the redeeming work. Amen. For us concerning now, we are taken away from the presence of sin. We're in a new Jerusalem. Amen. Where there's no sin, no, no dying, no crying, no death. But we also understand there's no liar there. There's no abomination there. There's no wickedness there. Amen. And so we, he's taken us to a place free from the presence of sin. And he affirms to you and I, listen here, that he's done all throughout the scripture and the word of God. He affirms to you and I, once again, here at the very end, hey, it started with me and it's going to end with me. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. Amen. And he makes a call even in that day. He calls and makes a call in that day that he says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountains of water of life freely. The new Jerusalem. Amen. He spoke of it in John 7. Amen. A call for any that would thirst. He says here, he says, I'll give it to him. In John 7, it was the last day of the feast, the Bible says, that great day of the feast. Verse 37, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He made a call. This is going to be a prepared place for those that were thirsty. This is going to be a new Jerusalem for those that were thirsty. If I could state it like this, this is going to be a place for those who identified that they were in need. Uh-huh. The Lord likes for us to cast our care upon him. The Lord likes for us to admit we can't do it on our own. The Lord likes for us to admit and say, you know what? Hey, I need help here. I can't. He likes for us to admit that we need him. He said this place, it's New Jerusalem, it's for people that can identify at this stage of time that they are in need. And it's for those, he says, who overcome. Remember through the, the, the seven letters written to those in the churches of Asia, he often told them to them that overcome, I'll give you to this. To this that overcome, I'll give you that. Amen. He says this new place is for those that overcome. Amen. They will be the ones to inherit, amen, everything that I have. I'll be their God and they'll be my children. They'll be my son. They'll inherit everything that I got. And after he tells, the, tells us who this city is for, he tells us then for whom it is not for. He tells us in Revelations 28, he said, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He's not really piercing us through with the sword and turning it. He's just reminding us, although this is for all these people who say they, they need me and have overcome, these are ones you will not find in that new Jerusalem. And so from about verse number 9 on, about verse number 9 on for a while, the subject matter concerns not the new heaven, new earth mindset so much as the new Jerusalem. We give some detailed information about it. He says, this is the bride, the lamb's wife. 
He speaks then about it is that holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. And then he gives us some details concerning the new Jerusalem. And one thing that he tells us is that the new Jerusalem is going to be so completely filled with the glory of God that it will appear as the reflection of a precious stone, the Bible states to us. And that the brilliance of this glory is so powerful. Amen. We understand its brilliance because Moses just exposed to a certain portion, part of the glory of the Lord even had to veil his face when he came down from the mount. So just imagine that city that's so filled completely with the glory of God. How brilliant. Amen. How, how wonderful. Amen. That will be. But speaking to us about this new Jerusalem, this city, he tells us that this city has a great and high wall. All right? Has a great and high wall. Now there's something I want to point out. And I, listen, I've got... I've, over the course of all these weeks, almost a year, I've read my brains out, okay? I've read my brains out. Uh, over the course of all this, I've used 23 different sources every week. So I, I'm about, you know, I've exhausted my... Ugh. All right? Because I've read old school, new school, middle school, no school. All right? If you read the Scripture, I'm just reading the Scripture. It says that there's a great and high wall. But concerning the 12 foundations, the scripture says that the wall, not the city, had 12 foundations. The wall, not the city, had 12 foundations. The Bible says the apostles' names were on the foundations. Now, whether it's on each foundation or one per foundation, I don't know. But I do know that the apostles' names are on the foundation. A lot of people want to go out tangents. Well, that means this because their names are there. Who are they to say they know that? But I do know their names are going to be there. Whether they're stacked together on each foundation or whether one is on each one, their names are going to be written there. The Bible speaks that this city has 12 gates. Has 12 gates. And that there is 12 angels at the gate. Again, if that's 12 angels per gate or one angel per gate. That's subject to interpretation really, folks. The way that it divides how it will be. Amen. I would want to think that maybe it's one angel per gate, but maybe there will be 12 angels. I don't know. We'll find out, won't we? Amen. When we get there by and by. But the Bible does say that there will be a tribal name on the gates. Again, if that's all 12 on one gate and every gate, so be it. Or if it's just one per each gate, I don't know, but the names of the tribes are going to be on the gates. I do know, according to God's word right here, that there's going to be three gates toward each direction, north, south, east, and west thus making up the 12 gates. I know according to verses 15 through 21 that there is going to be one that comes. Amen. He talked with them. There's going to be an angel here and they're going to measure with a golden reed. They're going to measure the city. Amen. They're going to measure the city. And as he goes forth and he measures the city, the Bible speaks of this city as being four square. Speaks of it being four square. Uh, and sometimes people refer to heaven as a four square city. And the Bible says that the length and the breadth or the length and the width of this city are as large as or the same as one another. That its length and its breadth or width are as large as or the same as one another. And as he's measuring with this rod, he comes up that the measurement of it is 12,000 furlongs. Boy, we use that just every day, don't we? You know, I tell you what, I walked, I walked a, a furlong and a half today, you know. 
No, we don't, do we? 12 furlongs. Amen. And so according to who you read, the way the people do the conversions are differently. That's anywhere from a little over 1,300 miles to 1,500 miles. Amen. According to what conversion is used. And so we're talking about the length, the breadth, and the height, the Bible says. The length, the breadth, and the height, the Bible says in verse 16, that they are equal. That word equal in the Greek means they are proportional. Now, every which way is Sunday. People say, you know, this, this is a 1,500-mile cube, 1,500 miles high, wide, breadth. I suppose it could be. suppose it could be. There's been people, I'm just throwing this out here because if you know better than I do, please come tell me. Amen. Some people said maybe it's a city that's a pyramid because it could be 15, 1,500 miles high and still wide and broad. I don't know. Maybe it is a pyramid. Maybe it's upside-down pyramid. I don't know, but I do know its dimensions are 1,500 by 1,500. It seems to be 1,500. I do know the height everywhere is the same. The length everywhere is the same. Amen. That the width everywhere is the same. Now, on this little pyramid idea that someone throwed out, just, just to think, and I'm just thinking, you know, pyramids usually years ago uh, were things that were donated to heathenistic and pagan ways, and the very tops of them was where they served their almighty presence or their non-God, so to speak. Amen. Uh, if I'm leaning towards something, I'm just telling you personal preference of just thinking. Again, no Bible for this whatsoever. Amen. Thinking of the city being a cube is probably what I would lean towards because the holies of holies that's in the tabernacle of God was 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. It was a perfect cube. And whenever we're talking about heaven, we're talking about a place we'll read here in a little bit. There is no temple there because he fills all in all of that place, of that 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500, however it's shaped, amen, turns out to be. It is a city, according to the word of God, a pure gold, like clear glass, transparent even is spoken of, reflective, if you will. The street, it speaks of street. If there's one street, okay, there may be many streets, but it says the street thereof is also of pure gold, like transparent glass. When it speaks of the gates of this city, the gates, but it does say this, the gates are one pearl. Each gate is one pearl. Now, I would like to see the oyster that produced that. <laughs> God can do anything. But each gate is one pearl. And remembering that a pearl is made by some type of irritant that gets inside of an oyster and then it puts that, that, that material around there until it becomes a pearl. Whenever you think then of the gates of the city, where is your access, egress, ingress, you know, you have access to or depart from through that gate, that all of those gates that stand there are nothing more but an emblem of something that had suffered. Namely, for me, it's one who suffered for me. Amen. The suffering and the pain. Amen. For me. Concerning this wall again, it's great. It's great. Yes, it's a great wall. Amen. It's a high wall. The Bible plainly says, listen now, it says it's 144 cubits. It's 140. Look at verse 17. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits. According to the measure man, that is of the angel. 144 cubits. Does that mean it's 144 cubits high? Does that mean it's 144 cubits thick? I don't know. You tell me where you find it in Revelation chapter 21. It don't say whether it's height, width, or breadth. What it is. It just says it's 144 cubits. 
If you take a cubic being 18 inches, which some do, or 21 inches, then the length varies from 216 feet to 252 feet. What is that? Thickness could be. Height could be. But even a 252-foot wall in comparison to a dimension of 1,500 miles, quite a little quaint wall for such a high city. But I'm just saying, I don't know. But there's a wall there, and it's 144 cubits, whether it's height, width, or breadth. I don't know. But it's there, and it is of jasper, the Bible tells me very plainly. The Bible says concerning its foundations. You can read verses 19 through 20. And there are listed there various precious stones. Amen. Each foundation is made from. Again, it says this is the first foundation with such and such stone, second such, third such and such. Again, I don't know if those are foundations starting at the top and going to the bottom or starting at the bottom being first and going toward the top. Amen. I do know whenever I look at these precious stones and you start looking at them and studying them, that they, there are several different colors that are represented in their, those stones. There's different hues of greens there. There's purple. There's a little golden color. There's a lot of different colors represented in those stones. As a matter of fact, about eight of the stones that are found in the foundation are also the same stones, eight of them that is, that are found in the breastplate of the high priest. Now, some try to coordinate all 12 and make it work and turn it just right. I'm not into that, folks. It either is or isn't, and there's only eight that I see that correspond. And so, uh, nevertheless, it's going to be brilliant. All these foundations made of these different stones with different colors, with transparent gold. It's going to be a sea of color. Well, I better not you see because we said there isn't going to be one. No. Never. <laughs> it's just going to be a varied color and brilliance and beauty. Amen. Concerning the new Jerusalem. But verse 22 says, he says, I saw no temple. Now, normally upon the earth, there's been a temple. Amen. Tabernacle, Temple of Solomon, Tabernacle of David, Herod's temple, Zerubbabel's temple, a place where the divine and the human came together and they met and they had interaction with one another. But he says here in the new city of Jerusalem, there was no temple. Why? Because there's no need for a temple. Our temple will be in his presence, so to speak. Amen. It's not, I don't, yeah, he's everywhere anyway. Someone already said, God, yeah, God, God fills all space and time. That's true. They said there's no temple here. There is no time. There is no, no more purpose for offering up sacrifices. There's no more purpose in any of that that temple would have. We already know heaven's a place of worship. It's happening without us even being there with the living beasts around the throne, the 24 elders falling down. It's happening anyway. There's stuff going on. We're just going to get into the vein of that. No need for a temple, amen, because his presence is going to be our temple, so to speak. In Revelations 21 and verse 23, the Bible says, the city had, note, underlying city in your brains, all right? The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light there uh, in the city where the lamb is the lie. If you ever wondered where we got the lyrics from that song, there you go. Now, <laughs> so although it says there will be no more sun or moon, it doesn't need then, though, to erase from our minds that there will be no sun or moon at all. Because listen, 
there will be no need of the sun, neither of the moon, where? In the city, the new Jerusalem. So it's telling me that it indicates that the city has no need of their light. Why? Because, well, the glory of God, of course. The Lamb is the light in the midst of the city. The text does not say there shall be no night, but there shall be no night there, referencing the city, the new Jerusalem. What I'm about ready to say, I don't know for certain or not, but there may very well be light needed in the new earth. Okay? Come now. Revelations 21 and verse 25, and the gates of it, here it is, those gates again, those pearly gates that they spoke of. And if anybody thinks St. Peter's going to be standing there, maybe he is, maybe he won't. <clears throat> There's going to be angels there, I know that. I don't know if he ever reached the classification of the angelic. I know some try to put him in sainthood. Huh, but nevertheless, Amen. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. The city, the new Jerusalem. Why is that so important? Because in ancient times, whenever they had city and it had walls, and that was there for their protection, and they had gates for entering and leaving, they had the gates open during the day, but whenever nightfall came, they closed the gates because of fear of intruders. Uh, for fear for someone overtaken or imposters? What's this tell us? Well, the city has no need for the sun, has no need for the moon, because the Lamb is that light, and so they have no need to close the gates because it will not be night there in the city. Don't have to worry about intruders, amen, or imposters in the city, amen. And I, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. 27 verses. And you go back and look at him. I've told you each thing that's really has been in there. The Bible says it speaks, it speaks of the honor and glory of the nations and or kings. It speaks that the honor and glory of the nations will be brought into this place. And so... I'm not going to underscore and capitalize on what I've read a lot of people underscore and capitalize on, trying to make a whole lot out of hardly much. Because some put a lot of meaning in the terms of nations and kings. So I'm going to err on the side of caution tonight and just tell you that according to the Greek language, the word nations in the Greek basically means the peoples. The peoples. And so the peoples if you will, that come. And there will be very kinds, races and nations for that matter, that go to the new Jerusalem. Thank God it's not just the Caucasians. Thank God it's just not uh, the Americans. Amen. Our missionary efforts have been quite in vain. That there's going to be peoples. Amen. The Bible speaks that everything has a certain amount of glory in the book of Corinthians as this has such a glory and so then if you speak of people in certain natures and ways that they have a certain sense of glory amen you speak of a woman and her glory you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 whenever you talk about headship you talk about glory 
Amen. God and His Christ and the man and the woman. Uh-huh. That if you're covering, then you're covering up the glory that is due to the others. So there's glory in all these things. So it's the peoples that come together. Amen. And they're bringing glory. Amen. Into the city. Amen. And yet again, and I close, you can stand. It's reiterated then in the last verse. Just he, He's making this known. Wrapping things up and making this known. I think for all of us that are still yet on this side of all these things happening. He reiterates to us in the last verse that once again, nothing that defiles, no type of abomination or any type of lies are going to be in that city. Just those which are written in the Lamb's book of life are going to be there. Just those written in the Lamb's book of life so just a real quick recap on some of these things is 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 it going to be just purged by fire or completely destroyed by fire good question i lean toward the fact concerning that the heaven and earth will pass away behold my words going to say that it's just going to be taken care of it's dissolved elements melt uh, that okay and I, i'm pretty firm in that i even might fight with you on that one amen uh, what about no sea? Is it that the sea just passes away or there won't be no sea on the earth or there will in heaven, not on the earth? Good question. Good question. I don't know. Don't know. We'll find out. Amen. What the whole scenario is going to be one of these great, great days. All these other things, names, how many and where, they'll be there knowing just exactly. It's like, you know, there's a refrigerator in my house. What's that tell you? What room it's in? No. Does it tell you how many cubic feet it is? No. Does it tell you it's a side-by-side -side or bottom-top? No. But what do you know? There's a refrigerator in my house. And so this is what we approach with somewhat of revelation. It gives you some information that you know is there, but to know every little detail, if it's brass knobs, copper knobs, titanium knobs, you don't know. But I know one thing. God's going to be there. I want to be there. That is the end of the story. Amen. I want to be a part of that grand city next week the first thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day